0: Well, hello once again. Welcome, episode six, season one of Theology on Tap. My name is Seth Mormon. I'm your host. Joining us once again, we got Mark Siegert. Good evening. We got Kyle Blake. Hello. We got Kevin Kreitzer on Zoom. How's it going? And uh, Kaylee's not in the room. Uh, She's still uh, recovering from some surgery, um, but we hope that she heals up soon and uh, will be with us again pretty soon. Again, the rest of you guys who are on Zoom, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you guys with us. Again, I'll be uh, the chat moderator, so if you've got a a question or a comment about some of the things that are happening, uh, just go ahead and uh, throw that into the chat and uh, we will uh, work with those things. So. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, thanks a lot so much for listening. Uh, we've got lots of people listening, and it's, it's just an awesome thing. Um, but while you're at your, your podcast platform, make sure you rate, subscribe, comment, do all those great things for us. That would be fantastic. Last week on Theology on Tap, we talked about this idea that Christians are sinners and saints at the same time. And it, it might seem like these are two uh, opposing views, but we talked last week that if you, you hold, we hold these in tension... And if we lose the tension, we lose the truth of what scripture teaches. And today we're going to kind of dive into uh, more of a, of a moment, a particular moment in Martin Luther's life where he really heard uh, the good news of grace became real to him. I don't want to steal any of uh, Mark's thunder, uh, but uh, uh, he's going to get us started in just a second. So we invite you to grab yourself a cold beer, warm glass of milk, hot cup of tea, bottle of water, whatever you'd like, pull up a chair, join us as we chat tonight.
1: So... Mark, why don't you get us started? All right. Well, thanks, Seth. Um, I'm going to begin tonight with a little bit of vocabulary. I know sometimes that's not so fun. Ugh, who wants to do vocabulary? Right. It's not but, school. Yeah, but uh, but bear with me. This is going be, to be helpful, I think. And um, there's no math, so I'm not going to be counting words tonight. But I do want to explain a little bit of the uh, some history of, of the Bible as we understand it. Um, some of you may know this, but uh, the, the Old Testament was originally, when it was finally put into writing, was originally written in the Hebrew language. But about 150 years or so before Jesus was born, uh, the, the Hebrew and Jewish scholars and the scribes, uh, came together and carefully uh, translated from Hebrew into Greek. So we've got what we call the Old Testament in Greek that we can look at. And that's nice because then the New Testament is also written originally in Greek. So you put that together and you've got, um, you've got kind of a, the entire Bible in one language uh, from the people who really knew what was supposed to be in there. So uh, we got a careful translation there. And when you do that, here's the vocabulary part. Uh, as you read your Bible in English... Uh, you're going to come across words like righteous, righteousness, righteously, and you're also going to come across words like just and justice and justified. And uh, if you look at the Greek words, you're going to start to realize that it's the same word that is behind the same Greek word that is behind those English words. So anything that's righteous or righteousness or just or justice or justified is always the same word, the same concept uh, in in the Bible, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. And then you're going to find that as you read through the Bible, that those words appear often, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. And whenever you see them, they're almost interchangeable. So, for example, in Leviticus 19.15, God has just spoken uh, and said that people should love their neighbors as themselves. And uh, explaining that, he says to them, you shall do no injustice in the courts. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor and there you have the word injustice and righteousness in the same place the same verse if you will and it's actually the same concept so you shall do no unrighteousness in court in fact in righteousness you should judge your neighbor so it's the interchangeable you find some great interchange with that word play in job 32 but we're not going to go through that tonight uh, you also have um, in Luke 10:29 the famous uh, uh, lawyer who is trying to justify himself and he said to jesus who is my neighbor Uh, you might want to read through that and say well he was trying to righteousify himself and you'd kind of have the same concept even though that word really isn't an actual word in english i don't think and then in romans 1 verse 17 which is going to be sort of a a key verse for us this evening uh, paul writes that in the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith. So that you've got righteousness of God and righteous people living by faith. And in that passage, Paul is quoting. He's he quotes the Old Testament a lot. He doesn't really put a little footnote and tell us tell us what it is. But in that passage, he's quoting Habakkuk 2:4, where Paul or where God speaks through the prophet Habakkuk and says, "Behold, the Babylonian king's soul is all puffed up. It is not upright within him, but." the righteous shall live by faith. So it's a direct quote from Paul um, that, that he provides for us there in Romans. But now I want to turn to that moment that uh, Seth was talking about, uh, a particular quote that um, comes from Martin Luther. Uh, and this takes a little bit of a setup, so bear with me here for a few seconds. Um, if you, I know this is really technical, but if you look in Luther's works, volume 34, the English edition, the American edition. You're going to find. I thought uh, you said there'd be no math. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You have. You want. Yeah, there's no math. <laughs> um, if if you if you look in there, you're going to find something that Luther wrote himself that kind of describes his his journey as an early monk, uh, young, uh, a professor, and um, in his youngness, and he des- he kind of describes his life, um, from that point, uh moving forward. And um, so here's some of his words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of his words, and I'll, I'll uh, interrupt from, from time to time. But he says, um, you have to remember, I was once a monk and a most enthusiastic pap- papist. I was drunk and submerged in the Pope's dogmas. I defended them in all seriousness, as one who, in dread of the last day, nevertheless, from the depth of my heart, I wanted to be saved. So here's young Luther admitting that he wanted to be saved, but you can see this conflict because he was also um, very serious and, and, and living in the dread of the last day. And he ultimately says, and he's writing all these things, by the way, in, uh, when was it, uh, 1545. So he's near the end of his life, and he's talking about his early his early career, if you will. And as he writes, he says, "Look, this was an error. Uh, this was the worst blasphemy and an abomination." He's not contradicting himself. He's like, "I was wrong," um, and his discovery of this error this error probably happened in either 1513 or 1519. But again, very early in his career. Uh, And he describes the discovery this way. And he said, Though I did live as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God and an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that God was placated by my satisfactions. Listen to this. I I did not love, he says, I did not love, in fact, I hated the righteousness of God. I hated the righteous God who punished sinners. And secretly, in fact, maybe even outwardly, uh, murmuringly, I was angry with God, and I said, As if indeed it's not enough for miserable sinners who are eternally lost through e- original sin, are also crushed by every kind of calamity of the law of the Ten Commandments, without having God add pain to pain by the gospel. He's thinking at this point in his career that God is adding pain to pain by the gospel, and also by the gospel threatening us so this is how luther is thinking the gospel added pain and threatened in people with his righteousness so god is threatening people with his righteousness in luther's mind and he said i raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. Uh, nevertheless i beat persistently upon paul trying to find out what it was that paul wanted and he finally goes on i'm almost done quoting here but he finally says at last by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words that are found in Romans 1:17. Those words which say, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, and it is written, he who through faith is righteous lives. So he started to put it in context and seeing righteousness and life together. There, he says, I began to understand the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous live, by a gift of God, namely faith and and this is the meaning the righteousness of god is revealed by the gospel namely this is the passive righteousness with which the merciful god justifies us by faith as it is written he through faith is righteous and lives lives by faith So there it is. You got the word righteousness and justified all packed in there. Um, And he says here, I felt I was born again. That's nice. A Lutheran being born again. Right. (laughs) I was born again, and I had entered paradise itself through these gates. So there's the moment when he says, in essence, the gates of heaven are flung open for him. Uh, And with that, Luther came to love this righteousness of God with as much zeal as he had initially. Uh, hated it and it's though you can kind of see the change that happened in that moment and i'm not sure if it was a specific moment but it was a pretty brief period of time and some say that look that's where the reformation began not when he hanged the hung the 95 theses um, so now a little bit to um, romans 1 through 5 because that was also part of what we're going to talk about tonight so i'll give you a quick uh, uh there's the 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 quote that we want to talk about Um, and let's look at the beginning of romans real quick Um, some background on the book of romans this is a a letter from paul to a group of christians that he had not yet met a group of christians in rome Um, and that's unusual for paul usually he writes his letters to people where he's already been and he knows the people uh, but here he's sort of writing to a group of people and he gives a, a general overview of christianity for all of them and i'm telling you the first three and a half chapters are what we would call all law they're all bad news there's very little gospel in those first three chapters except for that one little tiny verse at 117 and that's really Paul's thesis sentence for this thing where he says the righteousness of God you guys in Rome the righteousness of God is unlike any other righteousness that you might quote unquote see this righteousness of God comes passively by faith but otherwise everything else that Paul says in those first three and a half chapters is all law he says the righteousness that you experience everywhere else in Rome is no righteousness at all. There's no hope in that. I don't care if you're Greek, he says. I don't care if you're barbarian. I don't care if you're wise or foolish or circumcised, uncircumcised, Jewish, Romans, Gentiles, whatever. God will eventually correctly judge all of that that you think is righteousness as unrighteousness. And then Romans 3, 11 through 20 just, just lays it on the line. And again, he quotes all over the place from the Old Testament. He says, and he goes on, all have sinned, no one is righteous, their throats are open graves, there is deceit on their tongues, there is no hope, there is no life, there is only only, yuck. And then in, to me, in Romans 3.21 is where I see the pivot, and from there Paul pivots and starts talking about the righteousness of God that has been made visible, and this is apart from the law, but it is found in what we call the Old Testament, and it's found everywhere in the Old Testament and comes passively through faith in jesus christ for all who believe he says and from there paul unpacks this passive righteousness Um, and then finally uh, around chapter six he starts to say okay now that you understand this passive righteousness he starts to bring in what we call an active righteousness where you do live a good life but it's for the sake of loving one another and I think, really, he really unpacks active righteousness beginning in chapter 12, where he says, uh, therefore, in view of God's mercies, live your life, all of it, uh, as an act of worship. So uh, there it is. You got the quote from Luther. You've got active righteousness, passive righteousness. You've got justification, justified, all that, all in one. There you go. There's my my introductory <laughs> starting remarks for tonight. So what do you all think? Well, I mean, it
0: seems like Luther was needed to hear last week's podcast when he was younger, right? <laughs> you know, uh, he, he was stuck on that sinner part so much. And I mean, I've seen lots of other people, you know, in, in today, today's world who get stuck on that too, you know, that they don't, they don't hear that good news or all they're hearing is condemnation or some of the things we talked about last week too. They're hearing from the church that you're a sinner, you know, and that that the church is, is these saints. And and I think once again, I, I love what Luther did. He was driven to Scripture. He mm-hmm. went to Scripture. He went um, uh, and and he went to Paul. And I like that Paul goes back to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So this is not just Paul pulling things out of thin air. That you know, there, there's some there's some real foundational stuff here. Um, it's a big moment for Luther. You know, like you said, Mark, and I, I like how you said that the Reformation doesn't begin on. October thirty first, fifteen seventeen. That's not when the Reformation begins. That's maybe a spark or the the
1: first visual, yeah,
0: yeah, at the beginning. But really, once once kind of this happens, and by and by fifteen twenty twenty, probably is kind of on
1: the on the track here. No doubt by fifteen twenty, this this discovery has already happened. Yeah, and, and sorry,
2: I, I I just think that you know. It, you said it's all law between Romans 1 and 3 and I'm like no 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 my okay. favorite verse in Romans 2 is, okay. is all about grace don't you know it's the kindness of god that leads us to repentance you know and, and I think that luther just did not experience the, the kindness of god he he saw god as a guy with a big stick waiting for him to mess up and right. smacking him and I, and I don't wonder how many people today right. even that's how they see god right yeah. is god is just this big you know powerful being in the sky waiting for you to screw up so he can hit you with a big stick. And you can see why
0: Luther would say, I hated the righteousness of God. Oh, yeah. If that's his view of God. Right. right. The righteousness of God is scary. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah, it's like, you're unrighteous. He
1: uses his gospel to torment us. Uh, What what strikes me that's so weird about that is the word gospel means good news, and I think Luther would have known that. Uh, Why... Why did he have so much trouble? What there, Can you imagine the messages that must have come to him as he grew up that made him think that? But
2: uh, even right. think about today, though. I mean, you know, right. I, I just did a funeral on, on Monday. I mean, you go to a funeral and everybody's talking about how great a person someone is. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just we're like hard for some reason. It's like we're like almost hardwired that we have to do all the work to please God rather than this whole idea that he's pleased in us because of Christ Jesus. Right. And and I think that that's where it's really easy to be like, well, if God is righteous and we are unrighteous, every time we mess up, he like smacks us with his righteousness saying like, see, you messed up again, dude, you messed up
0: again, versus him being a loving father. And, And no wonder it would seem like heaven was barred, right? You know, that there was no way to get in. You know, he had heard about these ways that were supposedly ways to get in. It's, you know, um, doing penance and, mm-hmm. and confessing and, and doing all of these things. And he tried and he does and he does all these things, but he doesn't seem to find any, you know, comfort or any any good news in all this. He just seems that it's worse and worse and worse for him.
2: And I think that, you know, it's the same today where a lot of people, you know, we talked about last week how that people feel like the church says you're a sinner, Right, you don't measure up, and and I think that that becomes the message of like Christianity and the message of, of even relationship with God is it's like you have to you have to prove yourself to Him before He's going to
0: love you. Yeah, it's almost that like, we have to prove our righteousness. Correct, and I think that idea of that righteousness and that that justice, is is seen backwards by so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I remember, you know, hearing this in, in seminary. This, you know, to be cl- we are declared justified, right. and right. it's just as if I'd never sinned. And that comes, like you said, Mark, passively. It comes outside of us. This is not that we have attained a certain thing. And that's so hard because
2: everything that we have on this side of heaven, we have to work for to attain. Right. right. I mean, you know, you can be given a million dollars to start a business, but you still have to work that business, you know? Um, and there's many of us that weren't given anything, and we just had to, like, bust our tails in order to have what we have. And then all of a sudden to come along and hear this message that, no, 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 it's free. It's a free gift of right. grace. Right. It's nothing you've done. It's like, well, that's that's BS. There's just right. no way. Yeah, and It makes it, no and sense. I mean,
1: in one sense, it's not BS because it's the reality of the world yeah. we live in. Absolutely. But what Paul is saying is what this righteousness of God— is a completely different thing. So and I want. I want. He's like, you. You got to switch away from that, and get over to this. <laughs> and
0: and that's the difference. You know, we hear the righteousness, and we think immediately, my righteousness, or right? mm-hmm. the things that I am doing, or that I am not righteous. And if you know the things that are going on in my head, you know I'm not righteous. All right. But it's the righteousness of God, and I think that's. That's that key part. And that's the, you
2: know, that that's the key. So I had a professor in, in seminary, and I think all, actually the three of us all had the same professor in seminary, Mittendorf. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I mean, he's like, those two verses unlock everything. You have to read all of Romans through Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Right. And, and it is. It's the righteousness of God, um, you know. And I think that that's a hard thing, too, is to say, so why would this right— and again, going back to Luther, why would this righteous God love me unless I'm righteous? Mm -hmm. You know, I read verses like, be perfect as I, the Lord your God, Mm -hmm. am perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's where I land and hold myself to because my, you know, sinner saint stuff, my sinful flesh wants to be like, you're just not good enough.
1: If this is a religious document coming to us from God, the God of the universe, surely he's going to tell me how to behave— and surely I'm going to figure out that I'm not behaving that well. And, Just, and maybe on a good day, I might figure out how I can change my ways. And but if that's all the Bible is about, man, I'm in a world of hurt. You know?
0: But I think there are some people who will take it a step further and try to figure out that the Bible is going to tell me how to be perfect. Right. Right. And yeah, is yeah, yeah. going to tell me how to do yeah. this, and I just got to try a little bit harder. I got to do a little bit more, I, or maybe I didn't do it quite quite good enough. And that that attaining of righteousness on our own is always going to lead to despair at some point.
1: I'll, yeah. I'll tell you how to do that: go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. <laughs> yeah, <right. You laughs> the, well, I mean, I, that's it, what that, Jesus was that, saying. That, 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 Luke, <laughs> Luke ten, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and
2: I think he'd say that to America today. Right. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> but I, I think that uh, you know a lot of people. I've actually heard the quote. The Bible is basic instructions before leaving Earth. Mm-hmm. And, and that that I, that instructions, is like these are the things I have to do right. so that God will be pleased with me. And and I think that, you know, there's a there's another professor that uh, and I don't know if we all had the, the same guy, um that now all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank, um, Rosenblatt.
1: Oh you know, who, who I talked to him a lot, heard him but I did not have him okay well I, class. I had had him, I, I, him for yeah, class yeah okay
2: so so but he actually did like a gospel to evangelicals, you know what I mean mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about the fact that there are a lot of Christians that that's what they preach. They, it's kind of like a wor- it, it, oh by grace, you're saved but it, if you're not faithful, then you must not be saved. Mm-hmm. you know this works righteousness thing which slips right back into you're just never good enough. And I think that Luther probably was living in the land of, I'm just never good enough. So, blast you, God, for being righteous and, and wanting, you know, and talking about the righteousness for me. And then the click was, oh, he loves me anyway. And he gives me this. Right, this gift. Now I want
1: to live that gift out, you know. And living out that gift is what we would call active righteousness right. that's informed by the law that is uh, tr- we are transformed by the gospel and then now we are informed by the law for our neighbor
0: and, and that's where the end of romans is you know right. I- you know I- in view of god's mercy offer your bodies as living sacrifices you know and and that that whole that's that other part of it and, and i don't know if we're going to get down that far s- so quickly we're, we're only 20 minutes in no. <laughs> but, but i think that i mean
2: part of the thing and and we have some email traffic before all this, right? Mm-hmm. And, Seth, one of the things you said in the email traffic is sometimes we don't even talk about our own light bulb moments, right? right. L- this was Luther's light bulb moment. So let me ask you guys, have you uh, have you ever in your life had that—I mean, I grew up Lutheran my whole life. Seth, you were Same. born— Yeah, your, your dad was a pastor. Sorry, you're born I, I've and bred, never right? left this district. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, Mark, I don't know— Yeah, if, no, I grew up Lutheran. Okay, I'm so— Baptized
1: as a kid in, yeah. in the LCMS church.
2: So so I mean we were so sub- we're we're guys who su- have supposed to have gotten it from day 1 because we were all baptized anywhere from day 1 to day, you know, whatever. But but have you ever had that light bulb moment where
0: all of a sudden it went, "Oh, this actually makes sense to me." Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah, I and it didn't happen actually and this could sound weird until Seminary. Mm-hmm. You know, I have had uh, for me faith was something I I never knew life without faith. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, from my earliest memories, I was in church. I we we pray before meals, uh, at bedtime. Mom read me arch book stories on her lap. You know, I had a key to the church, so I ran around and did all kinds of crazy things in the church. You know, like like <laughs> pastors' kids do. You know, those are just the, the the things. And for me, it was this. Well, this is just what people do and how people are. And I know there are people who don't believe, but for some reason, I don't know why they didn't believe. And for me, it was just it was more of a of a, I was culturally a Christian, right? And I would say I believed it. I didn't think it was hooey, you right. know. And I right. always, I always thought it was 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 right and true. Um, but there was. It was good, right and salutary. Correct. That's what I should okay. say. It's good, right and salutary, or good meat and salutary is what they would say in <laughs> yeah, the old nineteen forty-one hymn. Then I was. And that,
2: that's a. By the way, that's a. If you grew up Lutheran your whole life, joke. By <laughs> the right. right. way, yeah, yeah. Let me just clarify that <laughs> well, one. So. And I
0: was confused as where the meat was, <laughs> and that's the yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, anyways. But that's that's another whole thing. Um, and and, and I would say I, I I lived out my faith, but I always felt there was something I had to do. Mm that there was always something I did and that came it, usually at the beginning of of the worship service and that was I had to confess the sins that we're having, that's what we do, that's right. our part in in this whole, you know, uh, exchange between us and God, it's part of the worship service, you know, kind of that give and take, you know, God is going to give us his gifts, but what I have to do is I have to confess, right, and so I confess every single week, and that's my part, once God hears my confession, then he is, gracious towards me and he forgives me my sins Mm -hmm. that was that whole back and forth and i kind of lived with that and actually i was okay with that knowing that every sunday i was in church when i got to when i got to college Sundays you weren't in church man you were just done
2: yeah
1: well (laughs) 14 15 days
2: (laughs) we're going on a two-week vacation
0: what are we gonna do not go to church oh my goodness for sure I got to college, and then I was not going to church on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I was going to a Christian school, and there was Christian stuff happening all around. And I didn't have a car, and I didn't. So sleeping in on a on a Sunday was great, you know. Being up late on a Saturday was great too. Um, And so I just didn't really have. um, I didn't say I ever fell away from the faith, but it's like. I don't, I'm I'm just not going to do this for right now. And then I kind of lived kind of this, this life. I'm good with Jesus. Jesus is good with me. I'm okay. Everything's great. But I still in the back of my head had this, had this gnawing thing that I've heard that this is free, but I got to do something. Mm. And it wasn't until I was in Greek class Mm. and it wasn't until we started really digging into what does the word confess mean? Mm. And that, that word confess literally means to say what has already been said about you. Right. And all of a sudden it went, click. And I went, oh, it, it, it's not about me. What has been said about me? I'm a sinner. That's the law. The law speaks to me. And the law says, Seth, you're a sinner. Right. All I can do is confess and say the same thing back and say, I'm a sinner. So where's the impetus there? It's not in me. It's not that I have figured this out. It's not some, you know, uh, equation that I have to do with God. Not some economy that. But the law condemns me of my sin, and my confession then is that I am a sinner. But what then do I hear? That I'm forgiven. Right. And it's the grace of God, and it's Jesus for me. Right. And all, the, and I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it because that was that moment. I wrote a whole paper about this in, in seminary, and I've shared it with a lot of people before. It was a light bulb moment. It, it was I was already accepted into seminary that I was going to be a pastor. And I think I had a fundamental maybe flaw of this understanding of what true grace was. Mm. And all of a sudden, in one Greek class, with one word definition, it clicks. And it was the same thing, as if the gates of heaven opened up. And I went, holy cow, this is amazing. I want everybody to know this.
1: Yeah. Mm. So for you, it wasn't the the word righteousness so much as the word confession that, that uh, was your light bulb. Yeah, it was
0: yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah the word the word is the is right. the Greek word to say what has already been said, completely flipped everything on its head for me, and it went from me doing something to knowing everything that Jesus did for me. Yeah, I would say I've had light bulb
2: moments, and then I've had very dim moments. Like my light bulb kind of like dimmed and it had to get like, you know, screwed it. Like I've got, so I've got these Costco lights that go around. I've, I have a pavilion in my backyard. That's a, We call it the beer pavilion. It's a whole different uh, ball game. But anyway, and sometimes those lights kind of like go out and you got to like walk over and you just got to kind of twist oh, them yeah. just a little bit yeah. and they turn back on. Right. And I think there's been a lot of moments in my life where the lights have gone on and they've gone off again. Um, and then they just, you know, God had to like turn them. And, and I would say that one of those light bulb moments for me has been, probably over the last nine years, um, over several times in, in just doing life with quote unquote sinners, right. People who are far from God and, and, you know, and wanting to be like, well, they have to change their life, but really being able to like come to them and just be like, you were loved and forgiven by God, you know, Oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not. No, no. I mean, I've worked, I work with some people. It's like, no, you're not a good person at all, actually it, it, comparatively, you know, but, but to just look at them and say, but you're loved and forgiven by God. And, and to, when that starts to seep in with them is when it kind of clicks with me as well. Um,
1: I, I don't know if this is going to go over very well with their listeners or not, but I, I don't really have one of those moments and it's going to sound at first like I'm all high and mighty. Um, my Lutheran upbringing I understood that it was free I understood what that meant maybe I had teachers or, or pastors that that can of help me understand that but my it's it's interesting though my story parallels yours I graduated from high school in high school I was you know in a youth group and very active at church and everything uh, and then I went to college and it wasn't a Christian school it was a state school and um, good school great experience but yeah suddenly I can sleep in on Sundays my roommates don't go to church you know why should I? But I, I never. What I said, I never lost the faith. I, I always believed like you did. But the sad thing is, I think I went down a different road. Instead of going, man, there's something I got to do. I almost took the freeness of it for granted, and and uh, almost went down what we call what we might call an antinomian route. Is like, I'm okay. You know, I, I still believe, and. Um, what what this, does antinomian mean? Yeah, antinomian. Answer, I mean, we've we've said this a couple times, <laughs> but if you haven't listened to the podcast before, it just means. Uh, I, against the law or not interested in the law the law no longer applies to me because i am saved i am a redeemed righteousified i can do whatever uh, i want because died for whatever i want want. and and i knew that wasn't true i knew that i couldn't do whatever i want i knew and you know but but at the same time i wasn't burdened by what do i what do i have to do um and but i did have a moment um after I graduated from college where I remember I was I think angry at God and I paced around my house for a good hour and I was yelling at God but I was like what do you want me to do God Mm. Um, not 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 to be saved but because I am saved what do you want me to do with my life and that's really where I was struggling with Um, and and I don't know if that's a different kind of moment but it was still a huge moment for me (laughs) but
2: but I think that that I mean I, I still struggle with that moment yeah. I mean to be honest, I mean to be completely transparent. I mean that that still is today my struggle. I mean like, you know, like I said the light bulb goes dim sometimes A- and you know, learning to be yeah, and be still, and and my identity found in who Jesus says. I think that's why I get like, like last week's conversation, center saint. Part of the leading into that was very much like, no, we're we're redeemed by Jesus. That's who right. we are, yeah. right? Which isn't wrong. You know, but we have to realize that we're still simultaneously saint and sinner. Um, but I struggle with that just being because I always okay, God, what do you want me to do next? Yeah, what, what do you want me to do today? You know, what what's going to be? You know, what are we going to accomplish today, God? You know, or what am I going to accomplish that's going to make you happy? Yeah. And, and really, he just looks at us and goes, I'm happy. Yeah.
1: yeah, With you. I, With I want you. to be useful. That's an important word to me and I find in Scripture, too, and I want to be useful. And yeah, there is this pressure, especially in our culture, this fast-paced culture to go, 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 do, do, do. What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do this hour, God, to be in? Uh, I, I've been feeling that a lot the last few months. It's like. What do you got for me, God? <laughs> well, I, I mean,
0: even in this, this time of pandemic, uh, a lot mm. of people in the church, I will be one. I'll t- talk for myself. Sometimes I felt like I needed to justify my vocation yeah. and my, mm. my paycheck and my position. You know, I have to I have to produce more content and I have to do more things. And, and it's all this, this, this action and doing and, and all these things. And I think we can get wrapped up in all of that. And I think the other thing, as you guys were talking... I think one of my, my hang-ups was, was, for a long time, th- theology was an academic pursuit. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like systematic theology. That's, you know, kind of putting all the pieces together of all the, you know, the, the the teachings of the church and how do they relate to one another. And, and you know, my Western brain likes to put things into boxes, into categories, and to do all these things. And I think Lutherans really like that sort of thing. We're, we're really um good at it is maybe not the right term but Uh,
1: american lutherans for sure yeah yeah
0: um but when we when we see theology only as an academic pursuit Mm -hmm. i think we've missed out on the actual key is that it's it's a relationship it's a relationship it's first and foremost that relationship with, with god that in christ he is pleased in us and he desires to be with us forever and then it's that relationship with others yeah you know and and when you think of it only as an academic pursuit, well, I got to learn more. I've got to get to the next level, or I've got to feel, you know, if I if I just read enough, then I'll be okay. Then I'll have enough confidence to go to a Bible study. And I mean, I've heard you guys. We've all heard these same things before. You know, Pastor, I don't feel like you know th- that Bible study. Those people intimidate me in there. Mm-hmm. They've been Christians their entire life, you know. And I say, well, just just come and listen. It's it's okay. You're you're, you're all right. And maybe maybe Zoom affords that that people can kind of be in, you know click their, their camera off and, and just kind of listen. Now, that's fine. I've got no problem that's with that. The podcast can do. They don't have right. to go. They can just listen to the podcast. Right. That's right. You know, and, and it's that born again moment right. that that Luther says, and this is Lutheran, Luther's language that we're born again. And, and of course, some Lutherans go, hey, are we born again? Are we really born again? What does Scripture say? Scripture says? says we are. You are. You're yeah. born <laughs> again. Yeah.
1: That's the first Order resurrection. Above.
3: That Depends yeah. on which translation you like.
0: Yeah, you're right. But yeah, Kevin was just saying born <laughs> born from above. You want to flesh that out a little bit, Kevin?
3: Well, that, that's the conversation with Nicodemus, right? Right. Uh, and the John actual uh, Greek word Jesus uses is anothen, probably better translated born from above. Uh, Nicodemus says born again, so Nicodemus misunderstands what Jesus is saying, right? So, so Nicodemus is thinking a, a human action, even if it's on his mother's behalf. Uh, And Jesus is saying it's a divine action uh, upon us. I was going to jump in, though, and say when Mark said uh, he didn't know the the hearers would like hearing him say (laughs) that he hasn't had a gates-flung-wide-open moment, uh, I would say probably to have a a Luther-Gates-flung-wide-open moment means you need before that a I-hate the righteousness of God mm. moment, mm. Uh, where then I think in that same quote, Mark, uh, if you had read a little farther, Luther actually says, I would have cast God from his throne if I could.
1: Yeah. Right. And the um, other things he says are are, are, are I truncated it, but he was like, yeah, I was willing yeah. to murder for the Pope. And yeah, yeah. I was willing to yeah. cast God and, from his throne. And so <laughs>
3: well, part, of, part of that whole righteousness of God issue with Luther was uh, a syllogism. God is righteous a righteous God must must punish sinners. Mm-hmm. I am a sinner. Therefore, right. A righteous God must Not punish, punish me, me, uh, as opposed to himself. So he could, you know, bestow righteousness upon me. Um, so I would agree with you that probably I haven't had the gates flung wide open moment. Um, in so far as having thought it was closed. Uh, and, uh, there was, you know, every reason for me to not even want to walk in other than to get rid of the guy on the other side. Uh, Luther had that, right? And so historically, then I'll go back to the the next application. Perhaps the Reformation actually begins before Luther even gets to Wittenberg in that regard, because this is the monk that's having these issues. And and Father John Stalpitz, his father confessor, uh he, he turns he says luther you know let israel hope in the lord for with him is mercy and plenteous redemption and so actually the old catholic guy gets it yeah you know the young the young monk doesn't um and ultimately says you need to learn to love god um because god loves you so he goes back to that this is this is all begins and ends with god and you have just a response to him um and and therefore he dove into scripture because he had to, because they said the only way this guy's ever going to get it, is if he gets it in the Bible, so they right. made him the professor of the church. But that's yeah. all the history side. The the, the, the um, personal side, I think, so maybe if, if you are in Mark's boat, if you're one of our listeners, that's the same boat I'm in, uh, where I've always, at least in my cognitive uh, mind, and therefore in my spiritual heart, have known the graciousness of God. Um, But there are certainly times uh, that we would be able to say, oh, but there were moments where I had a light bulb because I saw through those open doors. Right. And I think one of the, you know, perhaps probably a blessing we have as uh, clergy persons uh, is that uh, sometimes you see that through the eyes of someone else. Right. There are people we have known that we've worked with uh, that, you know, have not known a gracious God and, you know, then come to faith and are baptized when they're 20, 40, 60. And that's a moment where you get to say, Ooh, I just saw through those doors that are open wide with new eyes. My eyes have always held that, but those are new eyes, you know, Or you have those other moments. I, the one I always think of, and I know I've shared that before. I'm not sure, Kyle, if you were uh in tucson at that uh, at the time when uh clay had his appendix burst as a four-year-old that's 2000 so you had either just left we're just going to get there or you were there i don't recall which it was um but i remember you know little guys in the hospital and so i'm staying with them that one night and so we're praying and i'm praying you know god you know heal him you know all the good fancy pastor stuff uh amen and the little kid says, oh, and by the way, we love you, Jesus. And I said, oh, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's, that's pretty
2: awesome. Hey,
1: Out of the mouth just, of I, babes. The
3: door is got to open there again from a different perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs>
2: it, was that the same time that you were sitting in the waiting room with the the woman and you realized that God was using your pain for her? Because I remember that story.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the same uh, same hospital, yeah.
2: So so I don't remember if I came late I for those who don't know by the way I worked with Kevin in 2000 and 2001 I was a DCE intern at uh, at the church he was the senior pastor of so I think I came after that story like soon after I so. and I but I do remember you telling stories about that yeah. Um, so yeah
0: you know I've seen a lot of those moments you know in, in other people's you know eyes and, and some of them come completely um, like from from left field like you, you're not even expecting them you know I, I had somebody who called me up and said hey um my 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 father's very ill um he's uh, he's in a nursing home um would you would you come and, and and pray with him and so i said sure didn't know this person this person um was a, a Lutheran probably culturally and called up a Lutheran church and so I went and I met her and, and I talked to him and and, and this is a uh, a man who's 96.97 and weighed about that many pounds too mm-hmm. I mean just just a frail frail man um, and um, couldn't didn't have a lot of words didn't really have much um, and I asked him, you know, uh, uh, about Jesus and I, and I said, have you ever been baptized? And he just shook his head. No. I said, would you, would you like to be baptized? And he shook his head. Yeah. And I said, well, well hold on. And I went and I got a cup of water and I came into the room and he wanted to sit up. And so his, his daughter, you know, helped him sit up and I, I said, you know, do you believe that Jesus died for you? Yeah. Do you do you believe that you're that you're a sinner and, and that you need your sins to be forgiven? And he said, yeah. And I said, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. And I said, and now I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he took this huge breath. Did he die. That's what I thought was going to happen. Like he was going to die, and like it was like the longest time forever. And then he just lets out this big, deep sigh and he goes, "Thank you, Jesus." And it was one of those moments where where the the veil between heaven and earth is just so thin, and it was it was just an absolutely amazing moment. And um, I prayed with him. I prayed with the daughter. Um, I left. I got a phone call two days later from the daughter that said her father had passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, those are those moments that I don't know, I, I didn't know this man at all, but he, he Jesus had come to him in whatever words were there and through me, and I'm always very humbled and I can't even find the words right now to really describe it, but that's a pretty amazing moment for me. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes wonder, and, and I don't mean to take this in a different direction, but
2: do I see people the way that Jesus sees mm. me? Yeah. I mean, do do I relate especially especially those especially those who are in the faith, right? Those who would who would say I believe in Jesus, no matter who they are, you know, or what they've done or or even sometimes what they're doing. You know, uh, I mean, and, and those are the ones sometimes you know what they're doing, you might need to call them out a little bit, you know, and kind of you know, speak the law to them at that point. It's the hard job um, of the pastor. Yeah, it's right? It's the hard job of the pastor, right? Confronting
1: public sin,
2: um, but at the same time, is 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 my view that of which how God sees me, or is my view more of how I see God? Mm-hmm. And if I see God as a big, you know, dude with a stick, waiting to hit me upside the head, you know. Or waiting to hit somebody else upside the head, hoping he's not going to hit me upside the head because I'm the good, pious, you know, believer. Um, yeah, God hates those sins more than He hates the sins that are in me. Correct. And, and and that's that for me. I think is what has helped me understand grace. Is realizing that I'm called to see other people the same way that God sees me.
1: This exactly what was going through my head this afternoon kyle when i was looking at that passage from leviticus that has those words righteousness in there god had just said love your neighbor as yourself and i always wondered as a kid what uh, some sometimes i don't love myself and i know a lot of people who don't love themselves but what what god goes on to say there is righteousness is how i love you and how you you love yourself by allowing god if you will if i can use that word I love myself because God has placed his righteousness upon me and I need to love my neighbor enough to know that that same righteous treatment needs to be given to my neighbor. And that isn't always easy and I don't always do it well. But yeah, that exactly what you're talking about, Kyle is the righteousness of God that has to come to our mind and says it's on me and I accept it willingly and I love it and I cherish it. Uh, I have to love that person that way too.
2: And I think sometimes you know, going back to you know light bulb moments and realizing God's grace, and, and even being raised Lutheran and cognitively getting it, you know, like you're talking about, sometimes not loving myself is is um, is the times that I'm not sitting in that grace and understanding how much mm-hmm. I'm loved. You know, it's almost like I, I so I send out, uh, you know, if you're if you're a gathering person or Bethany person or Holy Cross person and you're listening to this, um, you you know, that, you know, you, you can sign up for these daily Monday through Friday like devotions that I send out. And I'm copying and pasting. Let me just be very clear <laughs> right now. I've, I've, I cite all my works, but I am copying and pasting. All right. Um, but but one of the things that uh, that I send out, I send out different ones because di- different things really hit with different people. Um, is I send out this breath prayer and the part of the reason why I got into breath prayer is just for my own self and it's the it started with the Jesus prayer Jesus Christ Son of God have mercy on me right but you can use that in so many other ways you know I mean even the old Jesus loves me that, you know and just sitting there and just breathing Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me you know and then even just saying Jesus help me love myself. Mm-hmm. Help me to see me the way you see me. And now also help me see others to say, see the way that you see me as well.
0: Awesome. Maybe that's a good place to, to end. And, and if you haven't got those uh, emails from Kyle, let them know. You know that's uh, We can get those to you. Uh, piece of cake, right? So... Um, Thanks, guys. This was this was good. You know, we talked about being born again Lutherans, right? That's that's excellent. <laughs> I saw the light. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. Big thank you to all you guys who joined us uh, via Zoom. Uh, we got one more week left in this season. Last recording date for this season is next Thursday, November the 19th. So if you're listening to this before the 19th and you want to join us on the 19th at 8 o'clock, you can send an email to theologyontap1517 at gmail.com and we'll send you the Zoom link for that. Um, and uh, we've got lots of uh, great things coming up. Hey, maybe the new year. We'll do it again in the new year, maybe. Absolutely. Maybe. Season two, we'll see. We'll see what if the. Jesus doesn't come back tomorrow. Yes, Perfect. Right. <laughs> And you know what, that might be an okay thing too. That might be the hard reset we need. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. As always, you can listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We encourage you to share it with your friends on social media, send them an email. You can just text them the link. Mark, we got one more week. What are we gonna talk about next week?
1: Uh, we're gonna talk about that uh, old great Lutheran hymn, A Mighty Fortress and the psalm, it's a big secret, the psalm that Luther got it from. So come back to, that's a little hook, come back next week Perfect. to find out. All right, <laughs> are we gonna sing is? it in German? No, we're not going to sing it, I'm I
0: don't think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could do that if we want to do it. Sounds fantastic. So, well, from all of us here, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Theology on Tap. Good night, everybody.